Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we are talking about bias in the hobby. That can mean biased reviews, biased board game coverage, or our own biases in theme and design. How does all this bias affect the industry as a whole, as well as those that are just trying to get unbiased information on the latest board games? Well, it's kind of hard to say since we're probably biased on the subject but we'll do our best. Well, I did make you say it biased a lot. But first, as always, a thank you to our <laughs> Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harris and Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gifts of Games in Grace Lake, Illinois. You can find them at thegiftofgames.com. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. And a huge thank you to everyone in our Zoom audience. Then you could join us on Monday nights, 8.30 Central Time, tabletopgametalk.com slash live. <sighs> How have you guys been? Great. You could use a thesaurus function and, you know, use other words like <laughs> prejudice Bias. or partial. Bias. Bias. One side. Yeah. There's now been... all I can think of is uh, Courtney sitting over here sewing in our live audience and uh, bias binding. She's she's my buddy on this. It has nothing to do with bias. <laughs> it's, it's so close, though. Yeah, no, it's the same word. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of bias in our hobby, and I just really wanted to emphasize that that's what we're talking about this episode. But before we do that, we have so many other things to talk about. Kitty, you are back in your recording studio home base. <laughs> <laughs> if you can call it that, yeah, I, I'm back at home. <laughs> your fancy recording I my, studio. I have my Zoom recorder here. Let me make sure it's actually recording. Now that you say that, yep. Yep, here we go. Yep. That time is ticking away. We're good. <laughs> yeah. No, last week your audio was a little bit eh, but you're good now. This week you sound fantastic. This week? For a super fancy you... recording studio known as the spare bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is kind of a nice office. Um, you know, Spencer works in here during the day. So, you know, I, I have a three monitor setup for my recording. <laughs> which is really nice. I've got my show notes. I've got my Zoom call and I have like just a spare screen over here. Like I could do whatever I wanted over there, but I choose to do nothing because I only need two screens. (laughs) (laughs) When you hear typing during the show, that's what's going on on my... That's the real problem with this is because Spencer uses it for his real work. He has a actual keyboard, like the manual clickety clackety keyboard and it is so loud i can no longer stealth google things during the show it makes so much noise <laughs> love it fletcher how is life in your neighborhood literally like how is life in chicago um life is good it's raining a lot here downtown lot. and uh, uh-huh. it's all north it's- of me missed yeah. me should have moved south jerks <laughs> monsoon season for like an hour up here in that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's not super fun um but life is okay yeah it's uh it's getting down to the wire for wedding planning and you know some stuff but uh, i know we are going to wait where are we going for your bachelor party i know i'm getting on an airplane i've already bought the tickets (laughs) new orleans new orleans okay yes I keep wanting to say Mississippi, but I'm like, no, that, that, that doesn't sound right. I think right. you mean... We, we're going to Mississippi, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're going to Mississippi, we're, too. Yeah, we're going to yeah, okay. two states. Okay. I go to Jackson? No, Jackson, I don't actually know what the town is called. It's right across the border. Oh. It's where so my buddy random. has a... I just wanted some Johnny Cash excuse to sing, but... Yeah. Uh, oh. so I'm save going that to, for another time. 
we're I've going made to it New this Orleans. far. Yeah, we're going to <laughs> New Orleans and then random town in Mississippi. Got it. No, that sounds like the perfect bachelor party, really. It's like, uh, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. Random town in Mississippi. Probably fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Um, yeah, so this, I I have no excuse for, oh, I have lots of excuses. I have all kinds of excuses, but I'm not going to say any of them except for this is potty training week for Zachary. And pre-show, we were told that we weren't allowed to talk about kids pooping. Um, so I'm not going to talk about kids pooping. But I will say <laughs> the potty training, when you're doing the hardcore potty training part, that's that's kind of a pain. But our daycare is the one that said, hey, we think he's ready for potty training. We're like, okay, we'll give it a shot. So now we're just sending him to daycare with like six changes of clothes and they're handling it. Daycare is super expensive. And this week they have retroactively been worth every penny. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing enjoyable about this experience. It's, it's, I mean, no, there's just nothing enjoyable about it. But in the meantime, um, I have I have played a lot of Arkham Horror the card game. I got through an entire campaign of that. And I got Ankh, the newest Eric Lang game in the Blood Rage Rising Sun Ankh trilogy. So we're going to talk about that briefly. Um, but there's one more important subject we have to talk about. And it's not the YouTube channel because I didn't do anything with the YouTube channel this week. Because, again, um, potty training. But... <laughs> Next episode, we don't we don't say the episode numbers anymore because at some point I decided that we shouldn't say them. But this is episode two hundred and forty nine, and you can see this in your podcasty thingy. It'll tell you it's episode two forty nine. So next week is two hundred and fifty. Fancy people call them podcatchers. I hear podcatchers, the podcatchers in your podcatcher. Yeah, I don't like that. In your podcast, <laughs> I didn't app. make it up. <laughs> yeah, I've heard other people say it's less of a too. mouthful. <laughs> um, so yeah, next week is our 250th episode. The problem with our 250th episode is it's in Josh's words, who's I was going to say not with us anymore, but that sounds morbid. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like he died. Not, He's not yeah. dead. <laughs> not a regular member of the podcast. <laughs> He no longer hosts. <laughs> it's no longer hosts. It's just a number. But number 251 is another number, but it is also our actual <laughs> five-year anniversary of episode one. Now, episode zero might be... Oh, now you have me wondering... Oh, why do I Why do I do this to myself where I'm, I'm going to wonder? I'm going to wonder in real time. But... Episode 250 is probably our anniversary episode for episode zero, which does not count because it's not even on the feed anymore. In fact, I don't even think the first 50 episodes are on the feed anymore because I think we strip it out to 200. Um, only I only showed the last 200. Nope. Episode zero is on 818 of 2016. So 822 of 2016 was episode one. So that's what we're counting as our first episode. So that is episode 251. And episode 251 is what we're going to make a big deal of. So next week with episode 250, it's going to be a normal, old, boring episode. And Fletcher is choosing the topic. He texted me earlier today. He said, hey, <laughs> I would love to choose a topic. I demand. I'm, for I'm just hearing about this right now. Yep. And I just. 
And I'm like, well, if you really want to, I will let you. Um, I'm going to forge, you know, text message evidence. So this all happened. But uh, yeah, so that's that's cool. This week, we're talking about something else, though. Kitty, what are you talking I th- about? <laughs> I got a, I got a topic: board games. We really talk about the board as part of the game. So this week, we're going to take a deep dive into all paper products that make up the board part of the game. Ironically, it's that's in. I don't know if it's ironically or coincidentally. I think it's coincidentally that is in my notes for this week's topic. <laughs> It could also be an episode of how it's made. Ooh, I like then, that. Then the board is laminated with a special pu- with a special paper. <laughs> I and refuse gonna- to play a card game unless it's a linen finish. <laughs> but maybe that's just uh, my bias. <laughs> you could be biased. You're biased on linen. You know, it is not unreasonable to be biased on card quality. Some of those cards are really, really bad. Um, herbaceous. I hear herbaceous a lot these days in like top 100s and stuff this is a complete no i did not do a hard edit or anything like that i'm just uh, cards made me think of herbaceous <laughs> that's which is just, just how about cards. fast he changes topics <laughs> and, and kitty loves this game and it's a card game that has nice cards and it's a card game that most people have never played because it's a game about herbs but you should play it because it, apparently people like it it's really fun um it's one of the like games that i got my mom that like i actually play fairly frequently because my mom enjoys it and my mom likes playing games with me more than anyone else in my general vicinity yeah so that's that's how that works uh you should play yeah and my mind jumps around all over the place so we're gonna jump around all over the place too why are we talking about bias because right, you texted me earlier today and said we're talking about bias. <laughs> because you set this, you set the topic every week. I do, I do set the topic every week, uh, except for next week where Fletcher's setting the topic because he's like, I insist on picking the topic for episode two hundred and fifty. Pipe cleaners, ironically, not used for cleaning pipes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Fletcher. I'm here to talk to you about anymore. all your pipe we cleaning needs. <laughs> They're not called pipe cleaners anymore. They're all chenille straws. Chenille pipe cleaner straws? is naughty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? That? Why? That, I don't. I don't. I'm just telling you what the preschool teacher craft world taught me. We uh, don't call them pipe cleaners anymore. I don't. I am I don't done know. with preschool. Apparently, we don't teachers. talk about tobacco products with children in the room. It's, oh, it's that's not- what the that's the type of pipe they were talking about. Yes. Oh, I never Michael's, thought about Michael's that. Michael's nodding his head. Yeah, and I've never thought about that. I Terry's never made that like, connection. Yeah, of course. Ever. Um, well, we actually found like a set of I pipe think of cleaners plumbing. cleaning out Spencer's like family farm that like they were actual pipe cleaners and they had like the picture of like, you know, a Sherlock Holmes style pipe on the front and like, you know, that that's what they're made to clean is that an is- actual pipe. All right, everyone who's listened to this podcast for 249 (laughs) episodes, this is the tidbit. This is what you were waiting for that you were learning walking away from this. There's that piece of trivia for you. I don't know if it'll actually help you. I don't know if anybody ever made that connection. I mean, I certainly didn't when I was a kid. Like, oh, tobacco products. Fletcher, you're off the hook. There is no episode 250. This is the mic drop moment. We're done. (laughs) series <laughs> end of podcast i did it you're welcome <laughs> i have no idea oh right bias why are we talking about bias again 
<laughs> All right, let's I will get back into this loop. Let's go around this merry-go-round one more time. Don't worry. <laughs> I added out all the awkward pauses, so all of the awkward pauses <laughs> that's been lost. Unless you're in our live audience, tabletopdavenet.com slash live, Mondays, 8.30 Central Time. Um, yeah, so there's been a lot of talk on the YouTube channels I watch about bias in general. Specifically, bias in reviews, specifically what kind bias of, in paid reviews. Now, what kind of YouTube channels do you ahead. listen to? I uh, they're just talking about to YouTube or no, I listened to board game bias, board game, board game YouTube <laughs> channel. You said bias in the general. Board game bias YouTube channel. <laughs> so we we had a topic on this, and Fletcher and I disagreed a lot on this, and I literally don't remember where Kitty came down on it because a lot of times Kitty just disagrees with me too, but I can't remember if she disagreed with both of us or not on whether or not paid reviews were an okay thing or paid reviews shouldn't be paid. This episode is not about paid reviews. Go back and listen to that episode on paid reviews. I don't know when it is. Kitty might Google it if her keyboard's not too clacky. But in general, um, we're going to talk about bias specifically, bias across the entire industry. Because my YouTube channels that I listened to, they were talking about bias and reviews. They were saying, first of all, um, Alex from Board Game Co., did a video saying, hey, nobody is getting paid for positive coverage. And then uh, King of Average, I forget his name because he just says he doesn't actually say his name that often. But anyway, he did an episode on, no, people are getting paid to do reviews all the time. And then Alex did a a video on, there's bias, sure, but that's different than getting paid for positive coverage. And I don't care, period. If someone's getting paid to say something positive about something, that person is not going to be around for that often, that that long. It it doesn't matter. But it started me thinking, and actually Alex did another video on just bias in general. Uh, Well, I, I just mentioned that. But that video is actually most important of all of these things. Bias. Let's talk about bias. And we're going to start about talking in reviews, and I hope we get to the other one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bullet points I have here, because I would like to talk about bias on a lot of different things. But I want to talk about bias in reviews first. Episode 157. 157. If you'd like to hear about Holy paid reviews. Cow, that was I know, it was almost 100 episodes, episodes ago. <laughs> wow. Fletcher, answer your question. You've been around for a while now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, yeah. So, all right. So, here's the thing with bias. Well, actually, I'm going to ask you guys. When you watch a reviewer, you're looking at a particular game, and this might be a rhetorical question because I don't know that you guys are actually watching reviews. But if you're watching reviews, do you... Do you sense a bias in reviewers? Do you have a reviewer that is like, okay, this person likes the kind of same games I like, so I will likely like what they like type of things? Like, how is your approach on tracking down information about whether or not you should buy a game or not? Fletcher, go first. Um, I mean, when it comes to reviews, I I don't know. To me, I guess it's more of like a watch it played and, and like, people who have this my same kind of like sensibilities to see if I would even want to buy this game because I'm I'm very picky about the games that I that I buy and that I pick up um so I just want to make sure that you know before I plunk down 60 bucks for a game that I think I'm going to you know play it at least a few times 
Okay. And so you said mentioned Watch It Played. Watch It Played is not a review at all. And uh, again, it's not. That's not a bad or good thing. But it it is literally a just he's walking teaching you the game. Right. It's it's not so it's not it's not so much a review, but it is like here's here's the mechanics of the game. And usually by like watching a watch it play, I can I can be like, oh yeah, like I think I would be into this type of game. This seems fun to me. And and I would say that watch it play. If you don't like bias in your reviews, stop watching reviews and only watch how to plays. <laughs> like that's that's the best way to get rid of your like you shouldn't if you are one of those people like I don't think paid reviews should exist or you know reviewers should have more negative content in their reviews. A, you're wrong. B, and I'll fight <laughs> you on that. B, don't watch reviews. Watch how to plays because how to plays are exactly what you're looking for. They are the unbiased version of coverage. Here's how you play the game. If you think you're going to like it, awesome. If you don't, awesome. But I, as someone who's throwing this out there in the YouTube world, is not going to give you my opinion. That's the only way you're going to get unbiased in my mind. But Kitty, um, disagree with me. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't look at reviews. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to be helpful here. Um, so almost all of my board games I get in two ways. One of them is through Kickstarter. And I will say that is where like 80% of my games come from. And I don't necessarily look at like a lot of Kickstarters have reviews like linked to the page. But I know that everyone who's linked on that page is going to have something positive to say about that because the, the makers of the Kickstarter <laughs> linked put the link otherwise. on the page. Yeah. Not a villain Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> link all your bad reviews. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, and Needs they've like, been One sent. Star. Well, they've also been sent like advanced prototype copies. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to kind of know. Like, so... I'll look at a video if it's a how to play or someone I'm familiar with. There's, you know, a few people you see all the time. Um, and usually you'll see one of a few different people pop up on any given Kickstarter. Um, but a lot of the Kickstarters I enjoy are um, minuscule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they might backers. not even have... <laughs> I just got like the best game and I swear I think it had like 250 backers and I made Spencer play it with me already and we had you know he didn't hate it so <laughs> there you go that's success we can talk about bias because like we'll get there at some point but well, I'll, I'll save it yeah but yeah I, I so I don't search out reviews for Kickstarters because they're usually either like linked through the Kickstarter or non-existent and then the other ones are impulse buys at conventions or game stores where like i have done no research at all i'm just like oh this looks cool and i buy it which is how i got herbaceous which worked out great but it's also how i've given away like i don't know a ton of games because it's like what was i thinking yeah so you know <laughs> so i i like this we're gonna skip right past bias and reviews because <laughs> i think we've covered it um a all reviews are biased all reviews are biased all of them paid or not all of them are biased. Yes, because people are biased. Well, that's because people are biased. <laughs> so if someone's getting paid to do a review, but, that's fine. They're still biased. They're not going to do a review for something they don't like because it's really hard to like be 
excited about something you're not interested in. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with paid reviews because eh, they're biased anyway. That is what makes a good review a good reviewer, though, is someone that can that recognizes their biases and will point them out and say, like, well, this might not be for me. But if you like this type of thing, you'll probably like this game, you know, and they'll point to things like that. That is what makes a good reviewer, not someone that's like, I only like space games Um, that take place on Mars. This isn't that. So one out of five. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a bad review. That doesn't make a good review. Yeah, I don't I don't think that I'm not going to disagree with you. I think a good reviewer will point out this is why I like or don't like this. And this is why you may like or not like this. I do not think it's a reviewer's responsibility to do that. I think it's fine to just say, I like this game for this, this, and this reason. And I don't like this game for this, this, and this reason. I don't have to put myself in the position of other people. If I like two-player games, and I'm like, I really love this game because it's an amazing two-player game, but it's going to suck at three players, I don't think I have to say that. It doesn't hurt if I do, but I've never played it at three players games because I'm a a two-player game reviewer, right? So why why try to add that in there? I think the rest of what we're going to talk about, though, will probably loop into that. And the first thing I want to touch on is bias in coverage. Now, this goes, Kenny and I had to deal with this for years. Um, we don't do it anymore because we don't do Dice Tower News anymore. We don't do anything Kickstarter. So for probably three and a half years, Kenny and I did Kickstarters, mm-hmm. talked about Kickstarters. And you can't cover every Kickstarter. A lot of Kickstarters. (laughs) (laughs) So the Kickstarters we covered, we weren't talking about those Kickstarters in any kind of bias way. But the ones we picked created a certain bias in general. Kitty wouldn't pick a game that had more than 150 backers. (laughs) And I wouldn't pick a game that had had less than $250,000 in like current, you know, opening day pledges. So that creates this bias of, well, Chris is covering the big hot topics, hot hotness, right? And Kitty is covering the indie games. Is that fair, right? Like, I, I would say some of my, you know, several million plus Kickstarters, Kitty, you'd probably enjoy playing. But you have a bias against companies, established companies, selling their wares on Kickstarter. I don't actually... um. <sighs> So while I may have a moral stance I have taken on that, my um, <laughs> uh, that it that is like a a podcast argument, and like you know I will let the market shake itself out. But my um, I just also don't like that kind of game. I don't have room for it. I don't have money for it, and it's not the kind of game I would choose to buy for myself. And therefore, when I was covering games, it wasn't a game I wanted to cover. There you go. And and again, there's nothing wrong with that. I just got on uh, last yeah, week. And, and, you know, it it worked for us because we had such different interests. And, and I think that maybe if I hadn't had you as my co-host, I would have covered those things because they're newsworthy, noteworthy in the industry. And no matter what I feel about where those companies belong – that is where they are, and it's worth talking about. But I didn't have to talk about them because I had you. Yeah. But I also well, knew there were other games out there that I wanted to talk about that I could. So I did. 
Yeah. And we tried to counter the bias by having two very different biases in the same mm-hmm. show. And it, and it worked. Sure. It worked It worked fine for us. Now, again, I got Ankh. It came in like eight boxes. And I've tried – I've consolidated it down to five. So that's a that's a bonus. But um, it's a great game. You – honestly, I have no idea whether or not you would like this game or not. I think you might <laughs> hate it, but you could love it. I don't know. We'll talk about Ankh later, maybe. Maybe I'll make that a, a special... No, I'm not going to promise to make any bonus content because I've been so busy lately that I haven't been able to make any content. I like Ankh as a two-player game. End of story. I have not played it as more than two players and I have no desire to play it more as, as more than two players, but Ankh is amazing as a two-player game. But bias and coverage. And I see this all the time. The hotness is, a, is another place where this is a feedback loop. So the hotness is what... If you go to Board Game Geek, and if you don't, you should because it's cool. But if you don't, don't change your mind now. It's not worth it. Fletcher, have you ever? Do you have a Board Game Geek account? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Maybe. All right. So yeah. So Kitty has one reluctantly. I'm on it on a fairly daily basis. But the hotness on Board Game Geek is also another place where bias tends to feedback loop into itself. Once you hit the top 10, more and more people are looking at you, therefore it keeps you kind of on the top 10. Now, that is true, especially for Gloomhaven that's been in the top 10 forever, but also most games in the top 10 that stay there forever are the ones that are, have such confusing rules that people are constantly asking rules questions about it, um, i.e. <laughs> Gloomhaven. <laughs> but it's also games that are constantly in the uh, public eye. But those games, they tend to, people want them to be better because they keep hearing about them. And this is exposure bias, as I, as I have it listed in our show notes here. I keep hearing about it, so it must be good. Are there games out there that you're like, I keep hearing about this game, so I want to play it, and I bought it, so now I'm going to convince myself it's good, that you guys have ever run into. Kitty, you, you seem to have, I, your expression says yes. That has literally never, ever, ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> your expression says no. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I mean, as we've discussed ad nauseum during this episode i i don't buy the hotness i don't buy games that are like the big buzz i buy weird little games that like i guess there's one game that i've heard a lot about that i haven't picked up yet that i keep feeling like i should um and that's fox in the forest duet um and it's on my list i just haven't picked it up yet yeah courtney's nodding at me yep yeah everyone (laughs) likes it I like the fox in the forest. I like cooperative games. I love two-player games that my husband will play with me. So, you know, I should just buy it. There it is. You should. Go to Amazon right yeah. now as I ask Fletcher. Fletcher, is there any game you feel like you're missing out on or that you've you've picked up because someone said this is amazing, you should try it, and you liked it because, like, oh, well, everyone seems to like this? Um, That was, like, a bunch of questions, so I'll just start to go through them one by one. <laughs> I think the first one was Chris like, have I that. ever picked up a game because it was the new hotness? What was the first question? Yeah, that was. All right. Have you ever start picked there. up a game? Start there. Yeah, just start there. Have you ever picked up a game because someone's like, oh, no, you got to get this. This is amazing. Um, Not really. Uh, I did. I do have um, Gloomhaven. 
the it was behind me jaws of the lion um jaws of the lion I, I did not pay for that it was very generously gifted to me uh it was something that i did think about buying multiple times and um so i do have that and i did want to get it that's really like the only one really maybe maybe um maybe terraforming mars because that was that was hot for a while and i was like oh i want to get this game it sounds like a lot of fun um but beyond those two, I would say no. I'm lucky enough to have you guys as friends and you just offload the games onto me that you no longer <laughs> want. Kitty, did you have an I, afterthought? I thought of another one. I backed Seventh Citadel, even though I wasn't 100% on Seventh Citadel because I got such major like regret after not backing Seventh Continent that when Seventh Citadel came out, I was like, I need to back this. It's not what I normally back. It's way more expensive than what I normally back. But but I did it. Um, but it hasn't fulfilled yet. So I'm very Kitty proud likes to back games. Kitty likes to back games where the tagline is: "This game is played with entirely with matchsticks and bits of broken pencil lead." <laughs> <laughs> this is not true. John mentions he says, "I felt like this. I felt like I sh- this with Wingspan." But after the show two weeks ago about apps, he's glad he hadn't. Um, I, I've actually, I've, I've gotten pretty close to thinking that Wingspan is one of the most overrated games out there. But I, this, that's a different show, Kitty. Maybe that's episode two fifty. Wingspan, do or don't, and then it's just us murdering each other from afar. Um, <laughs> Kitty, did you listen to Fletcher's and I episode on the apps? Yee. Okay, you should. <laughs> that's a no. <laughs> I want you to listen to it, and I want you to download the Wingspan app, because that's episode 250. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> so, yeah, bias and coverage. I am susceptible to this all. My work is done for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am so susceptible in bias and coverage. The more a game is talked about, the more I am likely to just pick it up. And oftentimes, a game is talked about a lot because it's... It, you know, people are loving it. Um, I, I'm going to go back to Ankh again because this is the one, this is the hotness of this week where people are talking about it, but there's two specific rules in the game that people really hate. Um, and I obviously I backed this a long, long, long time ago and I have played it since. But this is one of those games where if I hadn't played it and all the negativeness around the player merge rule or the, um, Guardian Rush rule. You know this if you know Ankh. If you don't, go watch some bias coverage on it. But I probably wouldn't <laughs> have bought this game. And I'm glad I did because I really, really like this game. Now I'm going to house rule a portion of the game. It's a minor house rule, but I'm going to house rule it so that Sydney enjoys it because we played it twice so far. And Sydney's like, I don't think I like this game. And I'm like, all right, we're going to try it one more time and make a minor house rule. And we're going to see if you like it now. Great. If not, then I'm just going to obsess over it for the next, you know, few weeks and put it away and it'll never get pulled out again. But I really, really like this game as a two-player game. But bias and coverage, I see this all, like, uh, Imperium Classics and Imperium Legends. I bought this game solely because so many people were talking about it in a good way. And I'm like, all the people I like are talking about this, so I'm going to buy this. In, in the meantime, I'm like, if you look at the cover of this box, and people are crazy about this art. Imperium Classics, just Google it. This, I, I, I hate this art. I hate it. I, like, I loathe it. And it's just, 
there's nothing about it I like it. But I'm gonna have the to look people it up that now. I trust that I listen to, right? they're like, oh, this is my favorite thing. If you like this person's art style, this is like the best game to get for them. I'm like, um, I don't like this person's art style. It's crap. But what's the game called? Watch the Imperium Classics. Classics. Imperium Legends okay. is the other version of it, but they're they're basically the same thing and they're interchangeable. Classics is the easiest version, and Legends is the, like more complicated versions. But I bought this game. I've sleeved this game. I've sorted this game. I've watched multiple playthroughs of this game. I think I will love this game. I. Like, it's simply because people started exposing. Because if I looked at this in a game store, I would have walked right by it as this game is trash. And it still could be because I haven't played it yet. But I I get sucked into this all the time. Where somebody I trust talks about a game and they like it, I feel like I should just back it. Or not back it. Well, usually back it. But also buy it. And uh, they're just talking about the hotness. Fletcher, have have you Googled this? Are you looking at this? Yes, I'm looking at the artwork now. This is so. This artwork looks like it's done by a very talented middle schooler. I would say <laughs> <laughs> it looks a little bit like um, comic book fan art. It it know. does kind of look like it, it looks a bit. It's like I don't know. A we're comic get, book like, is trying to be super. It's good. It's better realistic. than art I can make. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I can barely draw stick figures, but. I would it's say this art is not for me. from the outside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it is. And like I say, it's an art style, and I get it. I just hate it. I hate this art style so, so much. But the game itself, I think I'm really going to like. <laughs> I just, it's so Rado. Rado is one of my go to listen. He loves this particular artist. I don't even know who the artist is, but he names them, and I, I don't know. I just, I can't stand it. It's it's terrible. It's just terrible in all ways. But I'm biased. And that's another kind of bias is, and I'm going to lump this under theme bias, essentially, theme and art bias. When we go to buy a game, we can look at a game and say, I don't like sci-fi. I don't like fantasy. I don't like buttons. I don't like birds. There's all kinds of reasons that we may not buy. A, we we won't give it a second look because of a certain thematic or artistic bias to something. Now, I know you guys have have to have had some kind of experience with this. Absolutely. This is definitely where the story I was talking about earlier falls in. And this is the game I recently got um, from Kickstarter is Macaron. And it is about... <laughs> making boxes of macarons so like the fancy cookies <laughs> um, but it's a trick-taking game and it's a it plays one to five players and so i love a trick picking tricking game that can be played with two players especially if it can be played competitively i like cooperative ones but i love a good competitive game with my husband where we can take tricks but spencer would never never have picked up this game. It is pastel. It is cookies. It is adorable. (laughs) There are bows and frills and it's sugary. And I like made him play this game and he had a good time playing it. I'm not sure it's like, you know, our new absolute favorite, but it was fun. We had a good time. We'll probably play it again a few more times at least. Uh, But yeah, like the theme on this one is just so girly and i love that i'm a girl 
but like it's not you know, that girly. It, I'm putting the I would say, picture. I'm putting the picture in the chat. I mean, it's, 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 it's like it's, it's the it's the it's a fancy French cookie. So like, yes, I don't know. Like it's so, all right, um, let's not say girly. We'll say it's so French. That way, we can be nationalist instead of genderist. <laughs> I mean, like. As a woman, it appeals to me as a girl. There's pink ribbons on everything. It's cute. Yeah. I like it. I like cute things. I, I feel and like in that a lot of ways. If we going back to wingspan, <laughs> yeah. so wingspan. One of the problems was the theme is not a gamery theme, right? It's not sci-fi. It's not fantasy. It's not trading in the Mediterranean. Uh, you know, it's not farming. And in doing that, it opened up that game to the the masses it's an un it's it, it, it's not pushing you away in its themeness right it's just birds so in the same way a non-offensive i, I keep using the word offensive but i don't mean that it's not the word i'm using or not the word i want to use yeah a non-off i don't know what theme. the word is though <laughs> yeah but so that the idea behind this is yes you could play this game. I'm not attracted to cookies, but I'm also not repelled by cookies, right? So <laughs> this is a game. I, I'm just saying. Just it's can't a, keep giving them I cookies. Go either way on the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> subjective, maybe, maybe kind of like subjective. That's um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I I think that this does fall into a situation where or a. Uh, uh, a category of games where I could look at this and uh, Patchwork's another good example of this, right? Patchwork's a fantastic mm-hmm. game, but when I walk by Patchwork, it's not going to catch my attention. I have a bias against quilts and buttons. I'm anti quilts <laughs> and buttons. It's just, it's just who I am. I'm going to own that, and that's fine. But then when I play the game, I'm like, oh, are you Amish? This isn't about quilts and buttons. <laughs> Isle of um, Cats is see- another one, right? Combine the two. Calico. Calico yeah. is cats and quilts. Chris hates it. But yeah. um, I really liked it. I liked the theme. But because I enjoyed that game and I started following the company a little bit, I got all the emails about Cascadia. And Cascadia is their new game. It's kind of similar. It's a tile-laying, puzzly game. But this one's theme has nothing to do with quilts or cats. It's about like nature. And now they've got another one that they're coming out with it's like more planty even than cascadia cascadia is more animals this one looks more planty i'm gonna probably back that one too they've got me hooked (laughs) um but you know like i feel like theme though it can it won't necessarily draw people in but it can like attract you know the biases of Biases, I don't know what the word is, but like, Bias you know, I. if somebody is biased towards something, Prejudices. Like if somebody has like, <laughs> like, I am going to buy something because it has a certain theme, but there's very rarely a game where like, if I hear this is a really good game, but it's this space themed game, it's like, well, I, it's not like I'm going to not buy it. If it's a good game, I'll buy it regardless of the theme, but a good theme can trick me into buying a bad game. Yeah, yes. I can see that. Um, before we're going to talk about publisher bias in just a second because I think that's a big one but I want to answer Darren's question here he says is there a difference between bias and preference yes I think is there a difference between bias and preference (laughs) Fletcher Um, bias is negative and preference is positive in terms of connotation 
All right. I You're like usually that, biased against something and you have a preference for something. Yeah, in general, biases are against something. But, I will say, um, I think biases are more unconscious in certain ways, whereas preferences, you're more in tune with, like, I prefer this, but a bias is something you almost don't think about. It's just, I I do, and if you make me think about it, maybe I can, like, find, but, like, you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, unconscious biases. I, I think it's it's something you're less, actually. I would say notice pr- less. I would say practically, you know, in this conversation, like, no, not really. There's just two sides <laughs> of the same coin or not two sides of the yeah. same coin. <laughs> but I, I actually know I like that. I agree with both of you, but I think preferences are something that you're willing to say out loud and biases are something that you may not even be aware of. Mm-hmm. So I prefer fantasy and sci-fi or I don't prefer fantasy and sci-fi. Both of those are preferences. A bias is more or less, oh, that's a quilting game. Yeah, I'm not really going to tell someone I don't like quilting games, but I'm also not going to buy a quilting game or a a game about birds. Yeah, I mean, it's like... Preference is like, oh, I prefer to play, you know, puzzle games. Bias is like, I look at my shelf, I'm like, oh, I have like every game that has ever been made that has a cat on it. (laughs) That's a bias. <laughs> huh. Didn't realize I did that. That's not true in my case, but I know people who've done it. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I do think that's the thing. We're more aware of our preferences than our biases. I think if you if you really want to think of it that way, I prefer a lot of things. I can say what I prefer. Your biases tend to be a little bit more subconscious. Tend to. And again, if if we have to draw those definitional lines. Definitional is a word. It's I can define it. Can't. Good job, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about publisher and designer bias because this is a big one. Kitty, Osprey oh, yeah. Games. Osprey Games is actually Imperium was published by Osprey Games. You're going to love this game because it was published by them. Um, That's not necessarily true. I know there are some... See, I would say I have a preference towards certain publishers, but not necessarily a bias. <laughs> I I know there are some publishers where I am going to like more of their games than other publishers. They, but like, you can't always count on that. Like Osprey, I actually think is kind of hit or miss for me. There's a few more um, that I'm not going to be able to name right now, but uh, the like. Stonemeyer Games gets a big rap for like, oh, anything Stonemeyer puts out, I need to buy it. But actually, you know, like if I look at all of their games, you know, it's like maybe 50-50 for me. Like, yeah, I like some of these. Some of these I like more than the average game, but I I've never gone out to like buy them. I ha- I don't have them in my collection. So, I I don't know, like there's not yeah. a single publisher I can think of where I'm like, oh, well, if they put it out, I must buy it. I don't have any sort of loyalty or preference to any publishers. Um, it's purely based on, I guess, my own bias and preferences in, in like genre. Um, uh-huh. But like, you know, if Stonemaier or Simon or, you know, whatever publisher came out with a new game, I wouldn't be like, oh, I like that publisher. I'm definitely going to um buy their next game or i'm definitely going to take like a hard look at this game Uh, i think Mm -hmm. that's for me i just don't have like enough experience with particular publishers 
or game designers to like really give like oh yes like this person came out with another game i'm totally gonna get it or i'm totally gonna like look at it it's easy when you start following kickstarter (laughs) i think to find publishers there that you like more of um because you can see them kind of like start out and develop over time whereas um with like mainstream big companies it's much harder to like i don't know Except John if it's a new Monopoly Bra- game. If Bra- yeah, if Milton Bradley makes it, I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely have a bias for publishers. Stonemeyer. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to auto-buy, but it does yeah. mean I'm going to look and probably buy. Anything Stonemeyer, probably going to buy it. And, and, and that, there's no real rational reason for it. Viticulture, Scythe, those are my top Stonemeyer games. The other ones, yeah, I could take them and leave them. It's fine. The production quality is great. I, I like that. Simon, same thing. I'm probably going to buy any Simon Kickstarter just because the number of minis I get if I'm on the ground floor is ridiculous. But at the same time, there have been games I have passed on. They just did a Scooby-Doo game and there's a trilogy of like Saturday morning cartoon games. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I'm not backing those. But if it's Eric Lang, who's a designer, I'm like, okay, now I'm probably just going to buy it. I'm probably going to buy it with sight unseen. I don't know if this is going to be good or bad, but I love this designer. I love the games he does. For the most part, there's been a couple misses. And that's why I have Ankh. That's why I have Cthulhu Death May Die, which is in my top 10 games of all time that I would thought that, well, period. And I thought I would hate that game. I There was nothing oh, yeah. about this game that I thought I was going to like. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm really glad I had a bias towards that designer because this game is phenomenal. I love it. Like, uh, like Cthulhu theme, I don't care. It's not something I've ever was into. Um, I mean, I also like our promoter card game, which is a different thing. But I don't know. In in that case, I don't mind that my biases are steering me to try things that I wouldn't normally try. So designers and publishers, I kind of trust certain designers and certain publishers. AEG is another publisher where I'm like, you know something? They make a lot of things I like. So if they're throwing something out there, uh, what do I have to lose to try it out? few dollars what about theme did we talk about theme we talked about theme a little bit right we talked about theme a little bit and we've talked about it before i'm gonna go to this next one and this next bullet point is not meant to be controversial this is why we're doing it at 45 50 minutes into the episode but i'm gonna be biased yes this one this one's specifically about a game that's currently on kickstarter and i have conflicting biases about it for absolutely no reason and it's kind of driving me a little bit crazy because I'm looking at this game every single day being like, eh, uh, eh, uh. And <laughs> the way that I titled this was Political Biases. Now, some games are clearly political, not talking about those specifically. Um, and some, and, and actually, the way I'm mentioning this particular game, which I'll talk, I'll actually say the game in a second, um, is not really political, but Everything boils down to political, political, especially if you're in the U.S. anyway. And this is called, and this is Earthborn Rangers. This is a game that I 100% in all ways, based on the designer and the pedigree of the people involved with this game, should just auto back without hesitation. 
but they're not marketing this game. They're marketing the sustainability of making this game, which is causing me to have kind of a recoil to it because I have nothing nothing against sustainability, but isn't the best way to be sustainable in g- making games is not to make the game? So, like, tell me why this <laughs> game is good <laughs> and don't and do the sustainable stuff afterwards. Like, the Kickstarter of this literally says a sustainable blah, 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 blah. Like, that's the first words of it. And this, I, I don't know. And maybe I'm the only person here. And I know you guys have not looked at this game at all. But <laughs> the game, I, I want to love this game. This is done by um, Andrew Navarro, I believe. He used to be head of studio Fantasy Flight Games. Fantasy Flight Games has done dozens of, not dozens, but many games that I absolutely adore. Uh, many that he was a part of. And I want to be a part of this game as well. But I want to be a part of it because it's a good game. And if I want to save the environment, I should just not back the game. Don't make a copy. And that's going to be more sustainable than making a copy. So make me a good game and then make it in a sustainable way. This, I I don't know. I'm going to stop talking because I'm just curious if I'm blowing this out of proportion or not. Because for the two and a half weeks, three weeks now, I have constantly been looking at this game. And going back and forth in my head in this. Thoughts? Concerns? Am I just crazy? I might be crazy. Well, It's funny because actually I've seen a lot of Kickstarters that are like, here's our game. And then you get down to the bottom and it's like, and here's what we're doing to offset our carbon footprint for shipping. This is how we are using sustainable products. And it's never turned me off of a game. But seeing that this is like, that's the first sentence in the descriptor. I'm kind of like, oh. The stretch I don't goals. know anything about this game. <laughs> the stretch goals are literally, and if we make this number, then we'll print it in this area and this area and this area and we'll print locally. Those are the stretch goals. And again, I guess it shouldn't bother me if it's a good game, but I don't really know much about the game. They didn't have a gameplay video up until about a week after the Kickstarter launched. And I just don't Yeah, it think- almost makes me feel guilty for backing anything else now. Yeah. Like, oh, how, how dare you? You're ruining the environment with your other habit. Like, yeah. oh. And, I, and again, I know this is a bias. I, it wasn't a bias I was yeah. aware of. And because it's certainly not a preference. I prefer games that are not sustainable. No. Right. I like to trash the environment. <laughs> yeah. Let me destroy the planet. Our children even more. deserve a garbage planet. No. That is not our opinion. We do not support that. No. And, but. At the same time, I'm like, if you're going to market a game, market the game. And I think in this case, maybe it's not political bias. Maybe it's just marketing bias. I want to, I, I like, again, these developers have worked on some of my favorite games of all times, including Arkham Horror, the card game. Um, and I want them to make this game. I just don't want to be backing a cause, I want to be backing a game. And if that game happens to be backing a cause, that's fine with me. And that's why I put this as political bias, because I'm not sure I'm not alone on this. Now, and, and the thing is, there's some, there's, it's raised $300,000 so far. It's a card game. It's going to be wildly successful. Hopefully it's a good game. It's only at like 25% made. Um, but this is again, one of those biases that we all kind of come up against at any given point it's like wait a minute this this can also be any game that's based on colonization 
or capitalization. These are also things where currently there is a bias against those types of games. Mm-hmm. And is it like, again, it's more themed than anything else, but, and those are the opposite of this, but those types of biases exist in us, right? Hey, this is a game about colonizing whatever. And I think colonization is bad. It's hard to argue with that. Therefore, I'm not going to support this game. And I don't know. I just I just don't know how I feel about it. I wanted to bring it up here because I want to be honest that this is something I think we all have a bias on. But this is this is outside the scope of this podcast as to why we have these biases and where our <laughs> right? biases are. Right. Yeah. Thanks so. for putting us in the hot seat here, Chris. Let's <laughs> hey, put just, our personal politics on display for everyone. <laughs> just throwing <laughs> that out there. It's not a political podcast. But we do have these types of biases in our board games. And the board game industry is becoming more and more um, part of the political sphere. I think I've mentioned multiple times, I listen to a lot of political stuff. I'm very, very much outside Mm -hmm. of board gaming into politics. But when I'm in board gaming, I'm not in politics. I don't want that to be part of my board gaming experience. But there's nothing that it doesn't cross over with I, so i noticed i was gonna lot. say but it it's hard to you know say like oh well i'm apolitical in the board game sphere because we all have our politics and even if you know you're you're making decisions like one way or the other like even if you're saying like well i don't want politics in my board games you know that means that you're avoiding certain board games because you don't like there are overtly political board games out there that are like i mean some of them are jokes some of them are not on kickstarter (laughs) every week like you you can go find something like that and you know um if if you know that's your thing that's great but like you know i i think the people who are making that kind of game they know that that's the chance they're taking and they're they're counting on that the people that do identify with their personal politics are going to back them, are going to agree with them and spend that way. And that's fine as long as, you know, to each their own, you know, as long as you're not like forcing it down other people's throats. Like, um, and even if your whole model on your game is sustainability and, you know, like, I love sustainability and I think this is a great idea going forward with board games. And like, I kind of see your point here on like, oh, well, like they're not even marketing the card game. They're just marketing the sustainability of it. But honestly, if they're like showing other companies, hey, this is how you can do it. This is what it looks like. You know, maybe that's a good thing. And maybe we should be backing this not just because it's a card game, but because it's a model for sustainability for other companies going forward. And you know, somebody sees it that way, you see it a different way. That's fine. And, you know, the way that our, you know, capitalism works is you vote with your money. Back it if you like the idea. If you don't like the idea, don't back it. <laughs> you yep. know, like, and, and, 3, and, and let your people, bias guide you. <laughs> yep, 3,000 people have backed for $300,000 for Earthborn Rangers, a sustainably produced, customizable, cooperative card game set in the mm-hmm. wilderness of the far future for one to four players. Now, as you dig into the theme, um, the theme of the game is also we've done all these things to save the planet. And now in the far future, there's all these side effects 
not necessarily bad side effects. They're just things that have happened in, in, our re- in reaction to saving the planet. Um, so again, it is a very much targeted there. I, I will likely back this game for the pre- pedigree on the game alone. Although I'm not super thrilled by the look of the game. Um, the art's okay. The art's, art's, art's not bad, but uh, I, I just don't know. I'm, it's, I have seven days to decide. I will decide at the end and I will likely back it. It's just one of those things where I have conflicting. I just have conflicting things on this. I I, just, I, I know you just you hate the planet. That's fine. I do really, <laughs> really just want the planet to be destroyed. I do. Mm. Is that wrong? Mm. I, just, I know. I don't know. You <laughs> could buy these <laughs> games and then set them on fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. Like I say, it's just it's a tricky. It's a tricky thing. Am I buying a game or am I buying a cause? And I I don't necessarily think that one is the other, but I, I think I just want my my causes to be more subtle. Spirit Island is a great example of this. Spirit Island is literally a game where the spirits of the earth rise up to fight back colonization. I love the concept. I love the game. And the like when you dig into it and see what's really happening they're like oh wow this is like a completely anti-colonization game i also love it because i was i i don't want to say tricked but it presented it in a way your unconscious biases chris exactly (laughs) that's exactly it all right so all right let's set let's end this with a general question how does bias affect our overall hobby in general fletcher um i mean i i don't know like (laughs) how does bias affect the the our general hobby or like our hobby in general like i don't know like it's in everything you can't get away from it it's in everything you do so So it doesn't affect our hobby i feel like that's a big i feel like that's a big question that uh i don't know is good and we are completely unqualified to answer (laughs) that's true I don't know, Kitty, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I I don't know how bias affects our hobby in general. It it's a very broad question, but I will say that um, you know, after doing this episode, I feel like I am trying to be more aware of my own biases, biases, bi- biases, um, language. Great. <laughs> um, I but. If I can be more aware of the the things that affect my purchasing habits, the things that I look for in games, if I'm, I feel like if I'm making more conscious choices of why I am and am not buying certain games, then you know that's that's better for me and for the industry. I'm not just doing it blindly. I'm trying to take these things into account then um you know hopefully my you know tiny amount of dollars the the drop in the bucket that i contribute to the hobby compared to others you know can show that like you know even though my little cookie game that i was one of 200 and i want to say 30 something backers uh 224 backers and me enjoyed our cookie trick taking game you know, maybe this person will be able to make another game now. And, you know, I somebody else will with an anti-cookie bias might be able to find something by this person <laughs> because I backed their cookie game. 
I I like that answer a lot. I think that the best thing we can do about our biases is understand that we have them and to accept that everybody else will have them too. If you're mm-hmm. watching a review and this is the first time you've ever seen anything from that review or from that reviewer, then, you know, you you really can't put a lot of weight into that review. If you're watching a review from someone you've seen multiple reviews from and you know the types of games that they are biased towards and they like it and you typically like the games that they are biased towards, then I think you can take a lot from that. And that's that's really the big takeaway. It doesn't matter if they're getting paid for their opinion or not. They're not changing their opinion. They have a bias in taking money for games that they would probably review for free anyway. Because that's what we do in this hobby. We want to talk about and play the games that we like. And typically, if you're trying to find good information on... If you're trying to find good reviews on a game that you might be interested in, find reviewers that have the same biases that you have. And if you're trying to find good information on a game, don't look to reviewers. Look to playthroughs or look to how to plays. Because those are just, here's the information on the game. Make up your own mind. The problem is, those tend to take a lot more time. And we are biased to wanting all of our information in a good 60-second 1 to 10 rating. Because we're human. And that's just what we do. So I think that's just your bias, Chris. That might be just my bias. All right. That is enough of an episode for episode 249 out of 251 that's enough for you episode. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I said 249 out of 251. That implies that 251 is our last episode. Is that true? Or you're supposed to stay tuned for 252 and see what happens. Um, but in the meantime, Kitty, why don't you read some stuff? Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Ingobrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yonikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Anne Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Eric Slender, Glenn Cotter, jo- John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, Ryan Ellett, Danita Hersey, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Garner, and Darren McClellan. And thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron, past, present, and especially those in the future, but also especially those in the past, <laughs> and mostly those in the present, uh, your support with the means of us <laughs> means the world to us. Till next week, keep playing games and having fun. Okay, so how about this for a YouTube niche? Reversal reviews. 
where I do reviews and make all the positive things about a game sound bad and all the bad things about a game sound amazing. That that sounds confusing. I don't get it. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs>